I'm curious, do you have a really great BS detector? You're, maybe you're often skeptical of others. Are you really street smart? Would you say you're pretty self-assured? You often find yourself being the leader in the group. Maybe you even struggle to ask for help. Do you love a good challenge? Do you fight really hard for the causes you believe in? Do you have a great sense of humor? I bet you're a blast. You might have thought that these were all parts of your personality, but they might actually be coping mechanisms you've picked up over the course of your life, and they're having a huge impact on how you show up, especially on this motherhood journey. Are you curious to know more? You got to take my personality patterns quiz. Here's what's going on. When you were a child, whenever an experience overwhelmed your nervous system, you subconsciously built a defense against that overwhelm. Over time, those defenses became a habit and then they became a pattern. And now as an adult, what we think of as our personality is often this defense pattern running the show. It's so interesting, right? There are five different personality patterns and they're not personality types like the Enneagram or the Myers-Briggs but rather they describe the safety strategies that we immediately go to when we start to feel overwhelmed. They don't describe who we are so much as what's blocking who we are. The good news is that once you take my quiz and learn about your pattern, you can learn skills to break out of that pattern, and then you can live and parent your kids as your true and authentic self. Click on the quiz link in the show notes or go to michellegrosser.com forward slash quiz now to take my two-minute personality pattern quiz. If you get to a 50-year anniversary party, you're celebrating just this rich journey. You're not celebrating perfection. It, does, it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. It doesn't yeah. exist. Yeah. We get it wrong all the time. But we keep going. But we keep going because we've continued to reconcile. We've made a choice. We're going to do this, and we're going to do this the whole way. Welcome back to the Motherhood Podcast a live workshop-style podcast that is helping thousands of moms redefine their motherhood journey. There was a point in my life when I was trying to do all the things, parent my kids, pour into my marriage, run a busy law practice, keep up my home, and what I found was that I was on the fast track to burnout until I discovered a better way. Now I help women just like you to close the gap between their vision of motherhood and what they're actually experiencing in their day-to-day lives. Together, we'll explore when and where to simplify, systemize, and surrender. I promise you, you're already doing so much better than you think. I'm your coach, Michelle Grosser, and this is Motherhood. Welcome to the Motherhood Podcast. We are just a few days away from Father's Day, and with that being said, I thought it would be so special to get some perspectives today from the point of view of my husband, Jeff Grosser. So Jeff, welcome to today's podcast. Well, thank you, love. Glad to be here. Honored to have been invited. I'm excited. Yeah, for sure. We are happy to have you. And I know you're honored to be here today, but also honored to be our very first guest on the podcast ever. So that's super cool. Yeah, it's awesome. I'm really excited to see who you have lined up going forward. That's right. We do have um, some other interviews lined up and ready for you guys, but believing we're going to start the interview train strong today. Let's do it. Okay. For those of you who are newer to the podcast, Jeff and I met in Milwaukee Yep. back in 2006. Uh, I was going to college there and Jeff and I worked at a restaurant together. Yeah. Uh, office romance. That's right. 
And here we are, 15, 16 years later, about to celebrate 13 years of marriage this summer. Yeah. Um, we're also parents to two girls, Amory and Ashton, ages almost four and about five and a half. So today we're just going to get Jeff's take on some things fatherhood, some things parenting, some things marriage, um, but we're just going to have a conversation and kind of see where it goes. Let's do it. Okay. All right. So to start things off today, I would love to hear what is like something you've learned about parenting, particularly in terms of being a team or in partnership with your spouse? Mm, Good question. I think the big thing I've learned is that, you know, we're different people. Yeah. And that's okay. And that should be celebrated. I think when people get married, uh, you're not just having two individuals come together to form a family. You're really combining two families, yeah. two uh, lineages, two uh, different ways of, of, of growing up and, and different things like that. So, um, you know, we come from different places. We're different ages. We're different sexes. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had different experiences. So it, it would make sense that um, you and I don't parent exactly the same way. Right. You know, I think it's important to be unified um, and to have the same values and to have the same sort of understanding of how we want things to, to go, but we don't have to be uniform. Yeah, we can have that united front without being exactly the same. Exactly. Right? And I think it's healthy. I think it should feel different for our kids to be around dad than it does mom. Yeah. Um, I think it's okay for, for kids to you know, maybe I'm going to ask dad if I can do this because I think it's going to be an easier yes than if I ask Mm -hmm. mom. I think that's okay. I think it's natural. And I think, uh, you know, we both take our kids to school. And I think I I really don't know what it's like when you take them to school. I'm not there. Uh, But I know what it's like when I take them to school. Um, And I know what it's like when I pick them up. And, you know, I Sometimes when they're with dad, they like to listen to rock and roll music. So we'll turn it up loud. And, you know, it's it feels different to be around dad. It feels different to be around mom. And I think that it's cool to let them experience dad by themselves, let them experience mom by themselves and just really realize like we don't have to do things the same way to be effective. And and they should see nuances and differences between moms and dads. Yeah, it's kind of an iteration on same but different, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. And it's also an opportunity for us to play to our strengths and complement each other. That's a good point. That's the value of having more than one parent. Sure, absolutely. Cool. I love that. Um, And I know something else that's really important to you, something that you celebrate in yourself and in our kids, is just their individuality treating them as their own human beings. I know that, you know, we all carry our quirks and you're just a guy who's always really valued that individuality in yourself, whether it's the tattoos or the musical taste or the way that you write or the way that you speak to people. Um, I just love watching you celebrate it in our kids. So I would love for you to share a little bit about that. Yeah, I, I, I do feel passionate about individuality. I think... You know, the first thing to remember as parents, from, from my point of view, is we don't own them. Hmm. We really don't. Yeah. Like these are these are God's children. Um, they are going to go on this long journey, and so much of it, so much of that journey, frankly, has nothing to do with mom and dad. Um, That's true. If you think about the 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 timeline of their life, if they let's say they live to be eighty years old, we're talking zero to eighteen ish. At home, mm-hmm. you're always going to, 
know, hopefully they're as long as we're around, they're gonna want to have relationships with mom and mom and dad, and you know, the things that we instill in them, it's important, and they're gonna hold on to those things and and then form their own identities through that. But they're not ours, yeah. so we we have to give them freedom to be who they're created to be, yes. to use the gifts that they have, to be patient and understanding. Uh, I, I just remember back being a child, my dad often would, my dad was a, a businessman. He was in, in corporate, the corporate world. And he used to always say to me, and I don't even know if he thought about it, but he, he'd always say, well, Jeff, when you're in business mm. or when you grow up and you get into business, and I, I wasn't necessarily against the idea, but I, I did rem- I remember thinking to myself, well, I don't know if I'm going to be in business. Why is that a foregone conclusion? Right. And something that we say in our household is just shine light. Mm-hmm. Just shine your light today. Be you. Like do, like there are responsibilities in this world on how we behave and how we treat people and, you know, the effort that we put into making making this world better. But do it the way you want to do it mm-hmm. at the same, in the same vein. Chase, right. like chase your passions um express yourself the way you want to express yourself. I think I think we as a society I think we've come a long way and I think we're becoming more accepting but it's just something that I want to do as a parent um and understanding that like guys you're different. Amory and Ashton are so different. Mm-hmm. I can tell already. Yeah. I think rather than be like comparative culture you just celebrate who you are and Amen. run with it and Love just that. roll with it, right? And and then uh, the other thing too is Letting your kids know that mom and dad are individuals and we're not perfect. That's right. You know, we're we're all on our own journey. Just because I'm parenting you right now doesn't mean I have everything figured out. My journey is my journey. And, and, you know, we're Christians. So, I mean, something that I always tell my girls is, listen, you have a dad and you have a father. I'm your dad. Dads love you. Dads are your biggest fans. Dads care for you. Dads are always going to be there for you until they're not. Mm. And, you know, it's not the most fun thing to talk about, but, you know, dad's going to screw up. Dad's going to make mistakes. Dad's going to say things he wish he didn't say. He's going to have to apologize. Father is not that. You have a father in heaven that will not die, that will not leave you, that will not ever have to apologize to you. So you instill in that faith, like, there's something bigger outside of this family that has his hand on you it's going to be with you forever and you give them that security and then you also let them understand that inside the house we're all on a journey we're all unified we're a tribe we're together but there's there's going to be some stumbling along the ways yeah it's beautiful we're all we're all on our own journey yeah yeah it's great um, so speaking of that journey I think this is a great transition to just share with us a little bit about how your fatherhood journey is different from maybe what you perceived as your dad's. Like what kind of shifts do you see between the generations? Hmm. Well, there always are shifts, right? Uh, No two generations are going to be the same. Um, There's so many different factors that come into play. And I was an eighties kid and a nineties teenager. So the thing that I kind of remember about, my childhood in regards to fatherhood is that dads weren't around a lot. Mm. And I don't want to overgeneralize, but in general, I think 
you know, in the 80s, 90s, you had corporate America, you had guys trying to climb these ladders. In many instances, you didn't even choose where you lived. You got a promotion. And if you didn't want to move to Terre Haute, Indiana, you didn't get the promotion. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, the whole family just moves. It was very up in the morning, out the door, and coming home late, hopefully to a warm dinner cooked by mom. And maybe maybe dad plays golf on Saturday. You know, for me personally, I also came from divorce, which mm. so many kids did in the 80s and the 90s. Um, so I really didn't see a lot of my dad. I almost felt like two human beings. I kind of felt like one person with my mom, who I was with primarily, and then I felt a little bit like a different person around my dad. Um, and I also felt like my dad, the times where we were together, it really wasn't parenting because it was more like a vacation. Sure. We would just spend time together, go to a Bears game, go to the mall, hang out. But really, there he wasn't in the day-to-day, the grind. Mm-hmm. I think my mom told me that my dad never changed a single diaper. Wow. You know, which yeah. to me is just bonkers because mm-hmm. I've changed the hundreds yeah. of them. And and it's I'm not knocking my dad or anyone from that generation. You know, to a certain degree, you have to play the game. And, and there were gender roles, and we've come a long way. I think, um, you know, there's no doubt about it that mothers still do a tremendous amount of heavy lifting. Sure. You know, and, and I commend them for that. And I, I just think it's there's so much beauty in just being a mom and, and, and that natural caretaking and, and things like that. But there's also more room now for women to really go after their dreams and to do anything they want to do. Um, and, and, and now with, with entrepreneurs and people working from home and just this different sort of paradigm amongst like how you go about your day to day, I think it's less rigid Mm -hmm. and it's giving people and families and I, it's allowing them to, to do this together. Right. Right. Like it's. It's you see it, um, girl dads. Like it became a thing a few years ago. It, like there's men now take pride in it, mm-hmm. and and it used to be like, I mean, growing up, I never saw dads dropping off kids at school. It was all moms picking up kids after school and taking them to baseball practice. Again, in general, um, but now it's like I, I drop the kids off probably more than half the time and, and there's a bunch of dads there. Yeah, and it's cool. I get to know them and and I get to talk to them and. I just think we've come a long way. I think there are probably going to be things that this generation is kind of doing and adopting that our kids are going to have to try to do better when they're parents, right? But um, for us, I just, I'm happy that there's more, there's more gray area on like who does what. And, Mm. And it's okay if mom's a breadwinner and dad stays at home for a while. It's okay for everybody to, change diapers and to do laundry and to, to do all those things. Uh, for me, it's fun. I, I, I want to be a hands-on dad. I want to be involved. Maybe because I kind of feel like my dad wasn't on so many levels. Yeah. Yeah, it's an opportunity for us to step up. And I think that's the design, right? We're all just trying to improve upon what we saw and what we know and make it better for our kids. Yeah. And I think our presence matters. Mm-hmm. I no think doubt. our presence matters in our marriage, with our children, with our friendships, with any relationship. Mm-hmm. It's it's not so important all the time, like, what we're doing. It's just 
like dad was around, mom was around. Mm-hmm. You know, they like it, it, it's this it, kind of this safety thing of this familiarity, um, and and just you know, it's intimacy. Yeah, yeah, and it's the value of those day to day memories, right? It's in that mundane. Um, or what we perceive to be mundane, that is really our life. That's what adds up to our lives. It's not just the Disney trips or the baseball tournaments or whatever. Right, it's true. And 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 our kids are watching us. They're they're watching how we how we do everything, how we speak to people, how we handle our business, who we are in private, who we are in public. But if you're not around, they can't see that. Yes. So I'm not against working hard. I'm not against having your own life and. You know, it's cool to have babysitters, it's cool to travel, and it's cool to have a career. But I just think this generation is understanding that um, spending time and just being intentional with our children is really valuable. And I think a big reason why is because a lot of people my age when they were kids didn't have that. Yeah, what an opportunity. Right. Love it. So while I have you here, Jeff, while you're mic'd up, (laughs) I would love to pivot and just discuss marriage while you're here, if that's cool with you. Okay, yeah, let's do it. So for those of you listening, you know Jeff and I have been leading a premarital course for years now. And through that, we've seen so much and learned so much and heard so much. And I think um, marriage is just something that we're really passionate about. Yeah. And we've had the opportunity to pour into not only our marriage, but so many other marriages, so many couples that have crossed our path, um, our, our circles, our communities, our friends. And it's just something that we've studied and we've read a lot about. And I think while I have you here, this is just a great opportunity for us to have Jeff speak some life over our marriages um, today. So let's Sure. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So the first thing I'd like to talk to you about is this idea that in our marriages, we're really supposed to be serving each other. Mm-hmm. Tell us more about that. Yeah, well, I mean, I think in general, we are supposed to be of service as human beings. Right, not think, just in our marriages. No, that's yeah. what, that's why we're here on this planet, really, is to serve others, to pour into the world with our gifts and with our talents and with um, generosity. And we're really supposed to make this world a better place than we found it and um, then hand off the baton mm-hmm. to the next generation, right? Um, so it's no different in marriage. We're here to serve each other. You know, my number one ministry is my spouse, is Michelle. So I'm, I'm here to serve her first and foremost. That's my priority. And then coincidingly, she's here to serve me. So what that means is I mean, on the, on the very basic level, it's like, okay, how can I serve Michelle? I can clean the whiskers out of the sink after I shave. Yeah. I can get the groceries. I can cook dinner. I can clean the lawn, do the laundry. I can do chores. I can do things to make your life easier. Right. I can also help create a peaceful home and a place that, you know, allows you to be who you want to be, allows you to, to feel safe and to, to have your needs met. Right. And then, um, what are your dreams? What are your goals? Mm-hmm. What, how do you tick? What, what makes, what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? What, what makes you thrive? What makes you sort of shut down? Now I can, if I know those things, I can help serve in those areas and, and you can do the same for me. 
And I think that's the design of marriage is, is it's the ultimate act of service. And I think a lot of us get in trouble when we, we ask ourselves, well, forget what I can give. What can I get? Right. What am yeah. I getting? Yeah. You know, and we find so many couples that are, that are having difficulties. And one thing that we, we find is that they say a lot of you statements. Okay. Okay. You never do this. You always do that. Why, why do you get to do this? Why, why? You, 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 you. And what happens is if you, you start poking me in the chest with you this and you don't do that and you always this, well, you're going to poke me into the corner and I'm going to push back. Well, you don't do that. Well, you don't understand. And so it becomes this battle where if you, if you come with I questions or I statements, it's not about you. It's not you don't do this. It's I feel this way. This is what happens. This is, this is how I feel. And, and so you take the gloves off a little bit because it's, it's, I'm not trying to fight you. It's not about you. It's about us. And, you know, I think, you know, God is love. That's what the Bible says. It's his, his nature is love. And love is selfless. There's no selfishness in love. Essentially, selfishness is destructive and love is constructive. Love builds people up. It's so good. You know, so like, it's this understanding of, again, it's not what I can get. It's what I can give. And you're going to get stuff back. Like Marriage is incredible, but I think it, it's one of the most powerful things in the world. It's a powerful force when it's done right. And, and, and you're not going to get it always right. We, we fail miserably often because we're selfish people by nature. So our, our normal disposition is selfishness. So we really have to work at being selfless. But when we do it, you see the good fruit that comes from it and you see the, the peace and you see the prosperity and you see the harmony and you see people living their best lives personally, professionally and thriving. Um, because that's, that's what in essence, we're here to do when we take those vows is to serve each other. That's right. And I liked what you were saying about the you statements versus the I statements too, because it brings it back to what can I actually control, right? Mm -hmm. And if any of us think that we're going to improve our marriages or make them um, richer by changing our spouse, we're in for <laughs> Quite a surprise because that's just not how it works. The best way that I can pour into our marriage is to make myself the best version of me and do my work and, and make sure that I'm being healthy and in a good space so that I can then turn around and serve you best in the that's best true. way that yeah. I can. And you can't, you can't pour from an empty cup, right? Right. Exactly. That's why when you're on the airplane, they tell you to put your mask on first before you help others. Because if you can't breathe, you can't put someone's mask on. Yeah, exactly. You, know, you, you have to make sure that you're well and whole and healthy um, to serve others. To be able to serve mm -hmm. others. Yeah, that's so good. So I guess in this idea of serving each other, the point is that we want to make it to the end, right? Sure. Like we want to finish the, the idea. race. We've all been in that marriage ceremony or signed that marriage license and it's you know never in mind that it's a short-term contract the intention is always for it to last so talk to me a little bit about that like what are your thoughts or your secrets to to a long marriage well that's the big question right not only how do we make it to the end but how do we enjoy this thing yeah exactly right yeah. it's supposed to be fun 
um, not in a childish way at Disneyland, but it's supposed to be enjoyable and, and, and rewarding and rich and special. And so that's, that's the trick, right? So if we're by nature, if we're selfish and we're signing up for this selfless thing, we better have a, we better have an out, like a plan, a tool, a handle. So, you know, as you mentioned, we, we, we do a, quite a bit of studying uh, on marriage and families. And one of my favorite authors is a pastor by the name of Paul Tripp. And he wrote a book simply called Marriage that um, has a quote that, to me, it's just the single most important quote I've ever read on marriage. And he says, reconciliation in a marriage has to be a lifestyle. Reconciliation in a marriage has to be a lifestyle. So good. Right? Lifestyle meaning not a one-off, not a once-in-a-while. Lifestyle is a way of life, what you do all the time, what you do every day, how you live. So this idea of reconciliation has to just be a normal thing. It just shows you how important it's going to be to, to, to get through when we fail and when we choose selfishness over selflessness. Yeah, like so, it has to be a habit that we build up, right? Yeah. Practice. And personally, I would add that tequila helps too. <laughs> <laughs> Not just reconciliation, but... In uh, moderate quantities. In moderate quantities. But, and, and I, I want to clarify, this is not a license to be an idiot. Yeah. This is not a hall pass to make poor choices and to choose destructive things and, and be forgiven. That's not what it is. But... The, the the reason that reconciliation or grace is so important is that it wipes the slate clean and it keeps resentment from piling up. And resentment is one of the biggest roadblocks to finishing this marriage race. Yeah. It, it, you got to understand that like this is a long, long road and you are going to have to forgive your spouse over and over and over again and truly forgive it doesn't mean you forget it doesn't mean things don't hurt it doesn't mean you don't have tough conversations it doesn't mean you don't argue but the problem with not reconciling the problem with not moving forward the problem with not forgiving is that this resentment builds up and it builds up as a slow drip right i think it's a it's a slow drip sometimes of of relational laziness a compromise here i don't do this here uh you know whatever it may be it's it's this it's this drip 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 so you know i don't think anyone wakes up hopefully not anyway i don't think anyone wakes up stretches their arms out looks out the window and says what a great day to cheat on my spouse. Right. Today's yeah. the day. Yeah. I don't think people are driving down the road on the way to work saying, you know what? I'm going to become grumpy. I'm going to stop honoring my wife and I'm going to put 22 pounds on. Yeah. Let's, yeah, let's go. It's right. going to be good. Yeah. It's not how it works. What happens is you make these little compromises and what happens is a slow drip you know, you just stop putting in the effort. You stop seeing the why behind things. Or 
you just become disgusted over time with some of the things that are happening in your life or your marriage. And all of a sudden, you have this big full cup of junk and residue and toxicity. And it's really hard to ever get back to, to, to a clean space where that's wiped away unless you're just maintaining forgiveness and you're just moving on past things and you don't have a, a scoreboard in your home where we're all looking and Michelle's got 24 wins and I've got 10 wins and you're you're looking at it like I've won 14 more battles in this guy this guy's got it's the price you pay for intimacy right so think about marriage and it's it's the greatest most personal relationship really that we should ever have um it's it's incredible like I I, you were 20 when I met you. So I got to see you at 20. And now I see you at 36. And God willing, I'm going to see you in our 50s and 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. So I get to see the whole progression. I've seen you dressed to the nines beautifully at a formal ball or wedding. And I've seen you three days in, in with the flu in bed. I've seen you the high moments, the low moments. I've seen you pre-kids. I've seen you pregnant. I've seen you post-kids. I've seen you in, in all these areas of life. And I know your weaknesses. And I know your past hurts. And I know your strengths. And I know your dreams and your goals. And there's nothing like it. It's the most incredible thing to be able to have that intimacy. It's, But there's a, there's a cost to it. There is, yeah. There's a cost to it, right? This is why the employee at the checkout line at CVS can't really bum me out. Yeah, you're not that close. You're not that close. Like, I try to talk these guys up and have fun when I go out, and I love meeting people. And But if, if you're rude to me or obnoxious or just whatever, then I'm just going to get my deodorant and my toothpaste and be on my way. Yeah. Uh, you go your way, I'll go mine, because we don't have that intimacy. But with your spouse, you do. And so it's like on a cold night... The closer you get to the fire, the warmer you get. But also the closer you get to the fire, the more likely you are to get burned. Mm, That's good. Yeah. If we're going to have this intimacy, if I'm going to get to see all this, well, then we're going to see the bad stuff too. You're going to see maybe generational sin in my life. You're going to see the wounds that I've had. You're going to see the things that I struggle with. You're going to see just... Insecurities. Yeah. Just the, the, the stuff that, you know, the stuff that we keep or try to keep private, we get a public view of as, as a married couple. So there's got to be some grace for that. Like it, it just, it's got to be that way. So I think the number one handle I have is that this is going to be a long road. And, you know, when you go to someone's funeral, generally, you're just celebrating the person and there's some there's some funny anecdotes and some touching moments and that people speak on but nobody really talks about what you did for a living and nobody really talks about your failings we all have them it's not the time and the place to discuss that stuff it's the same way with a marriage man if you get to a if you get to a 50 year anniversary party you're celebrating just this rich journey not celebrating perfection. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. It doesn't yeah. exist. Yeah. We get it wrong all the time. But we keep going. But we keep going because we've continued to reconcile. We've made a choice. We're going to do this and we're going to do this the whole way. I'm going to serve you. You're going to serve me. When we fail, 
we have things to talk about. When we fail miserably in a big way, we have a lot to talk about. And again, it doesn't mean you forget it. But when you are able to move on, I just think the, the, the outcome is special. I think there's, there's so much power in running the whole race and not quitting, regardless of the, the things that you had to stumble upon. And the only way you're going to get there is if you truly forgive and let things go and not let things build up. Yeah, and I think it's kind of reminding me that we can all kind of have a mindset shift when mm. it comes to these failings, too. I think a lot of times we might find ourselves walking on eggshells because we're scared something's going to set something off or we're, you know, living Mm. in this fearful anticipation of having a fight or a disagreement or an argument or, you know, what happens if one day I wake up and like, I'm not really into my partner that day or something, especially I think early on in our relationships, we can have these fears. But I think if we can shift our mindset and understand that instead of fearing that these things happen, understanding that they will. Yeah. <laughs> and that realistic expectations, and right? And that they're normal. Yeah. And that the key is not so much like how often we fight or what we fight about, um, but how we fight. And, and I think just understanding, yeah, again, the normalcy of it, but I think understanding that the key is really that you're just like everything else in your marriage evolves, the way that you argue evolve and the way that you reconcile will evolve. But you can't give something an opportunity to evolve if you quit. So mm. just continuing to show up and understanding that each time you go through that little valley, you're really learning new skills, you're learning new things about each other, and that's strengthening your relationship and your marriage. Um, so every opportunity to reconcile is really an opportunity to grow and, and get stronger in your marriage. I love that. I agree. And I also would add that I think you can, this is an opportunity for you to show your children yeah. what it means to just to be in love and to reconcile. It's mom doesn't always get it right. Dad doesn't always get it right. But my hope and my prayer is that n- even though we didn't always get it right, that our kids would, would say, but you know what? One thing I know for sure, we were loved. Like we were loved. And it's the same with, you know, you and I in marriage. It's, man, we don't always get it right. But man, we love each other and we're here for it. And, you know, it's it's unfortunate that we teach kids these silly fairy tales sometimes. Like I think, Happily Ever mm-hmm. After is kind of the dumbest thing I've ever heard. It's just so un- unreal, right? It is a fairy tale. So I, th- I think um, just being real and saying, you know, you, I'm not saying that your children need to see every argument or know all the details of what may or may not be happening, but it's okay to show them a little bit and let them in a little bit and just say, you know, mom and dad, sometimes we don't agree on things, uh, but we always come back together. And, you know, I would add too that, on the other side of reconciliation is breakthrough. Yes. Some of you and I, some of the most difficult conversations we've ever have, have produced such a harvest afterwards That's because right. there's a new understanding. Yeah. And a, and a new, like it's almost it almost refreshes. You know, you you get to you get to get it all out, see what's going on, and, and make changes and make tweaks and and get better because what it is is. We understand each other more. It's not you won or I won. Somebody may be at fault, but 
there's just a better, clearer understanding. And understanding is what we're really after. Wisdom's what we're after so that we can so we can do this the right way. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And I agree. And I think something else you just mentioned that I think is worth another minute on too is that I think sometimes as parents we can have a tendency to want to hide these arguments or disagreements mm-hmm. from our kids and have it out of their sight or after they go to bed or when they're away at their grandparents for the weekend or something. And I think what it can be if we shift that also is it's just also a really great learning opportunity and a great teaching opportunity to really teach our kids how to have healthy disagreements and how that reconciliation process works. Sure. Like when we're not agreeing like are we attacking each other or are we coming at it collaboratively still with a ton of respect what's our tone how do we make um disagreements or how do we resolve disagreements in a way that's not personal right like do we make personal attacks or do we keep it about the issues um are we getting offended are we getting defensive like you're right if we have the opportunity to go through some of that stuff in front of our kids i think there's so much value there for them yeah, I agree. Um, disagreements are inevitable, but I think how you fight says so much. And I, one thing we, we like to do is we say we uh, we respond instead of react. So we're not just going to fly off the handle. It's it's okay to take a deep breath before you speak. Take a moment. You know, the, the, the tongue can be a, a really, really sharp weapon. Something I always say is you can't unflush a toilet. Right. Yeah. Once it's out, it's out. Once it's out, it's out. I can I can apologize, and you can accept that apology. But I said what I said, and and words hurt. Yeah. So it's important to again to your point. How are we fighting? I'm not. I'm not trying to come at you. I'm not trying to make you feel. I'm not. I'm not trying to harm you. We just don't see eye to eye. So how can we see eye to eye? And and um, it's gonna be much easier to reconcile as a lifestyle when you're when you're not fighting dirty when you're not hitting below the belt when you're not taking taking cheap shots yeah and i think the memory is just this mantra of like we're on the same team yeah like i don't necessarily need you to see everything from my point of view or do everything how i do it um but i think that when we have these disagreements or and when we have these disagreements it's really a matter of understanding that it's for the betterment of our family as a unit because we are on the same team. And that goes back to serving also too. Yes, and it goes back to Mm self-care because when you hurt people, it's normally because your heart posture is in an ugly place. There's something going on with you. Hurt people hurt people. So how like you need to guard your heart and you need to guard your mind and your peace. And that's why you need boundaries. Like, what are you, what are you consuming? What is taking away your peace? Like, what is your work environment like? I know we can't always choose that. Um, you know, what are you looking at online? What are you looking at? Um, as far as like, what are you, what are you feeding yourself, your body, your food? What are you, what are you consuming? Um, you know, in your daily, just in your hobbies, like, who are your friends? Mm-hmm. You have to have boundaries. You know, it's it's okay to step away from relationships and friendships. Yeah, like I've yeah. I have a lifetime contract with God and with you. Right. Everything else is, has to be renewed, 
And so I have to earn people's continued friendship, and but they have to earn mine too. Yeah. So it's cool that I used to be boys with this guy 10 years ago. But if he hasn't evolved, I've got two kids now. I'm not living the same lifestyle. Do you or do you not fit in? Yeah, everything is seasonal. Everything. Right? And, that, and that includes our circles and our, our friendships. Yeah, so it's important to just have boundaries and to um, just stay well. Stay well. And that way, um, when you're at peace, it's so much easier to to move on and to, again, reconcile and, and just turn the page and keep running the race. That's great. And I think kind of in that same vein, something that we talk about in our home a lot is culture. Sure. And my audience has heard me talk about that. And we did do an episode a couple of weeks ago about writing our family's mission statement. Mm-hmm. Um, but happiness, I guess, just as a general sentiment is something that really has to become a habit, right? It's a choice. And sure. we'll talk about that. So I would love to get your take on have the habit of happiness and then just kind of how we set a culture in a home. Yeah, I think culture is crucial. Culture is everything um, in, in any sort of walk of life. Your your family, your business, um, your church, your relationships, whatever it may be, Um but it's something you create, you cultivate it. It, it, it. It's it's an organic, living, breathing thing. Um, here in Miami, sports fans they always hear about Miami Heat culture, yeah. and some people are tired of hearing about yeah. it, you know. But it's it's a real thing. Uh, we are big fans. We've been season ticket holders. We've been around it. It's the the staff at the stadium is a certain way. Um, the way the, the way this team does things and carries out their business, um, the regard they have for physical fitness. You know, they say that there's pro athlete fitness and then there's world class fitness and then there's heat fitness. So like they've created this thing and they've gotten prolonged success. They've had very little turnover in leadership. If they have, it's because people have been promoted um, to other jobs. So they've created this thing. It doesn't happen without intentionality so as as a family as a, as a as a as a husband as a wife we have to create the culture in our home yes so what do we want it to look like what do we want it to feel like what do we want it to sound like so it goes into every detail we like a clean home we like it organized we feel like it's a gift from we've been giving this gift of owning a home. Well, we want to steward it and we want to take care of it. Does that mean the counters don't get messy? Does that mean there's not dirty laundry sometimes? Of course there is. But in general, we want to care for it. That's the culture of our home. And with our kids, you know, this is how we speak to each other. Like we speak life into each other. We don't cut each other down. You can find that so many other places. You Mm -hmm. don't need to find it in your own home. Right? And, And it's... This whole idea, this habit of happiness, it's you don't create a culture overnight. It, you create it over time with healthy habits. And once you create it, it's easier because you just maintain it instead of create it. Yes. So what we try to do is just realize like realistic expectations. If our, jo- if our joy is circumstantial, then we're only as good as we're doing and we're only as good as people are treating us. And that gives everyone else the power. It sure does. Yep. Right? So 
you take the power back when you choose joy. And, and I'm, I'm not talking about happiness because happiness is fleeting. Happiness is the first bite of a pizza. It's a little moment of, mm. Yeah. Happiness is the game-winning field goal. It's that surface level. Yeah. You know, but joy, though, is a choice. And, and I know that things aren't always going to be great on the surface. And, and, I, and I'm not talking about major life things. If someone has an illness or someone, if your world really gets rocked, I like clearly you're going to go through a season where circumstances are going to dictate some things. I understand that and I'm sensitive to that. But in general, we have these lives that there's going to be some real pivotal highlights, right? A birth of a, a child, a, a wedding, college graduations, promotions, like these, these cool things, right? Um, and we're going to unfortunately get some bad news. Mm-hmm. You're going to You're going to pick up the phone and there's going to be a text and Someone will have passed away or you're going to lose a job or whatever it may be. But in between all that stuff is just a bunch of blank slates that you have every day to go out and paint on. And you get to choose it. You get to do it. Like You have to decide how you're going to wake up in the morning. The idea is not you wake up and see how you feel. The idea is you wake up and say, let's go get this. Mm-hmm. Because that's that's that rubs off, and it, it's just it produces life, positivity, joy, peace, kindness, patience. If you create that culture in your home, uh, if you talk about the losses without yelling, without making people feel less than, you you give people the opportunity to fail, which makes failure normal, Mm -hmm. which makes failure less traumatic. Yeah, which builds risk takers. Correct. Like, let's go for this. If we fail, so what? Yeah. Let's go for it. And so, yeah, creating a culture in your home, um, it's, it's one of the more, it's one of the neatest things about doing this is that we get to create something. And then we get to go bring it out into the world and hopefully it rubs off on people and you see the light shine a little bit brighter. Yeah, yeah. If everyone does their part, right, then all of society just gets better. But it starts at home and setting the culture. Yeah, and I I think that's why I believe in mantras. That's why I believe in like putting these things literally on the wall, on the fridge, because we are going to get it wrong. So what that does is when we fall short, I can say to my my daughter, I mean, let's read the mission. Let's, let's read the statement, the mantra. Like, is this how we is this how we respond? Is this how we talk? It's not right. So let's let's. This is our compass. Let's just go back to it. Mm-hmm. We're not blowing in the wind in this family. We we have, we have purpose and we know who we are. So when we don't do things that align with that, we look back. We get back up and we go. And yeah, we, we don't. Think- Get back into alignment because we have that compass. Exactly. And there's no shame and there's no guilt in this house. Today is another day. Let's roll. Let's do this. We know who we are. We have a firm identity. This is our culture. And you move forward. Because, mm-hmm. again, that's all this is. It's a long journey. Do you want to get stuck? And do you want to run around the same mountain 10 times and argue about stupid stuff? And Or do, should we just move forward? Yeah, that's good. It's kind of like a matter of 
picking your battles and then making sure that you're allowing yourself time and energy to focus on the things that are truly important Mm -hmm. while also truly letting those little things slide so you can move forward and grow. Yeah. That's good. Well, I have so enjoyed having you as our first guest here on the Motherhood Podcast. It's been fun. Yeah. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Thanks for being here. And I just want to be the first to wish you a happy, happy Father's Day. We are so grateful for you. We honor you and everything you do for our family, the way that you love us and put us first and um, just your your loyalty to us. There's nothing like it. So thank you. Uh, well, thank you. Uh, it's an honor. It's one of the greatest joys in my life to raise children with you and um, cheers to all the parents out there, to all the moms, to all the dads. Um, it's not an easy road, but, you know, perfection's not the goal. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, I think when our kids are older, they're not going to remember all the little details. It's it's not about so much all the things you did right versus all the things you did wrong. I think really the important thing is, like, do do I know that I'm loved? Was I loved? I mean, really, that's that's the whole foundation to parenting i think is just to love our kids and do the best we can Um, and it's just a privilege if you love mommy's podcast leave a review if you enjoyed this episode it would be so awesome if you could take a moment to subscribe and rate the podcast and if you have just a few more seconds to leave a quick review they really help to get this podcast out to other moms like you I read every last review, and trust me, when it's late at night or early in the morning before my kids get up, and I'm working on bringing you all of this content, your reviews are what keep me going. Leaving a review is truly the best way you can thank me. And of course, DM me on Instagram at themotherhood.podcast. I love to hear from you. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Motherhood Podcast. Head over to the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at michellegrosser.com where you'll find free resources, information on how to join and participate in the Motherhood Village, and more ways to connect with me. If you love the show, share it with a friend. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you next time.